0: skyline is that? Close. Toronto. My daughter's in Toronto, so my, my heart's very dear to there. Okay, show us the next one. Chicago. Oh, I heard socks. You guys are awesome. I know. Well, it says we've got socks here, but, but there's Boston Red Sox because I heard Boston and Chicago. But see, here's the thing. The city, these skylines, they're a city that is lit up. And, and what Jesus is telling his audience here is, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Which means Jesus says, when I enter and I am the source for this light, and you understand that you are the light, then people are going to see you. There's going to be hope given. There's going to be people that God brings into your life that are weary, that are tired, they're exhausted, and they start to see this light on a hill and they get courage, they get hope. They start to experience peace. There's something peaceful about being on a long road trip and you start to see your destination. You start to see those lights in the distance. And what happens is you get re-energized. There's hope coming. You see, in, in the first century and even before, cities would be built on a hill and lit up to show the power of that city. And the cities that were on top of hills were primary targets in a takeover to be conquered because of their location, because of the visibility, and because if they could take that city on a hill, it showed power of the conquering army. Think about it this way. Here you've got this group of of Jews sitting here that understand and have seen cities be conquered. And Jesus is, is saying, you're a city on a hill, it can't be hidden. Think about us as this city that Jesus has conquered. And now he provides this source of light. There's no blackouts with God. You know what blackouts are caused from? It's a lack of power and resources. And with God, there's an unlimited supply of power. Resources are never an issue for God. And so when he says you're this city on a hill then he's asking us to let our light shine so that people traveling through life can get hope, can have a place of rest. This becomes a safe place on Sunday mornings that whatever is going on in life, you have a place where you belong. You have a place where you are loved. You have a place where there is grace and there's peace, there's mercy and there's someone here to give you an encouragement. Think about this. When do city lights shine the best? Against the dark backdrop. Sometimes God says, I'm gonna put you in a dark place, but man, it is going to shine. And he becomes our source and begins to shine his light through us. Let me read you verse 15 again. It says, Neither do people put uh, or neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Um, let me show you a picture of the lamp that they were that they were seeing. This is a first century lamp. It's basically this beautiful bowl that they would put oil in one side, and on the other side, an animal hair wick, and they would light it. And what he's saying is, you don't put, you don't light a lamp and then set it somewhere where it, it's not effective. You put it in a place where it can provide light to the whole house. In other words, God says, he says this, God puts us in the right place to provide the right light. Do you have any of those useless lamps in your house? I call them useless lamps. You know, the ones that you can turn on, but they do absolutely nothing. Those are the ones that that Heather likes to light. And she goes to bed before I do, so I have to go around the house. <laughs> <laughs> One by the coffee maker. <laughs> you know, I'm more of a switch guy myself. You know, tink, tink. You know, instead of going around to all the little lamps, I think they should all be on timers. If we're gonna, if we're gonna have them anyway, really, they take up space. You know what I'm talking about? You have those lamps, and and somebody said, I think Heather just said, mood lighting. That that it doesn't provide any effective light for anything other than hey that's a cute lamp. <laughs> I got that at Pier One on sale. It becomes the story. It doesn't provide light. It provides a story. And it's something that as 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 more women because men don't notice this. They don't walk in. The only way a man would notice a lamp in a house if it was the Christmas story leg lamp. Okay, <laughs> I can get a name in on that. Like <laughs> walk in. That's a fine looking lamp, sir. <laughs> there. Hey, I won that. <laughs> we as people are lamps. And, and some of the lights that we're not, we don't want to be useless lamps. We don't want to be spotlights, you know, that go in and blind everybody. You know, I go, I go hunting with, with my father-in-law and he's got this spotlight. And I think it's like one million candle power. Think about the scientist that sits in a room like this and says, well, there's 900 99,999 candles. Nope. Here's 1 million candles. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> 1 million candles. But I don't know if you've seen these, but they they blind everything in their path. It's like um you know we we varmint hunt with these things and so what you do is you go out in the dark and you put on this 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 CD I guess that's this screaming hideous sound that I guess varmints like, like coyotes and foxes and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Um, And then you sit there in the dark with a gun and hear this predator is going to... There's something wrong with this picture, honestly. This predator starts coming in. And then it's dark and then you take this light and go... And you look for these eyes and then you shoot at the eyes. I mean we're not spotlights, okay, when Jesus said you're the light of the world, you don't go into dark places and you go, all right, you ready, One, two, blind them, blind them, you know, and then we become, we become this nuisance and that's not it, we're also not, um, I, I went and got my oil changed the other day because this light on my truck came on that says maintenance and uh that tells me it's time to change the oil, so I went into the, the the place, you know, and you know they. I pull into Bay One, you know. I don't know, it, ladies, if you've experienced this because I take our cars to get changed, but this is just. It makes you feel kind of manly, the NASCAR feeling, you know. Pulling into Bay One, you're like, "Yes, I am," you know. And you get out, and they're like, "Clear on Bay One, raise the lid," you know. Pop, blah, blah, and they're just pouting off all these orders, dropping it all, and then they go, and then like, "Clear to add, check on Bay One," and then they. You know, and they're like, clear to start on bay one. You're like, yep, that's my car, you know. And then you get in, you just have this manly experience. I think if I were going to tell um, these, these oil changing places how to better market, make the man feel more manly when he walks in. Let me play with an air gun or something. Or just walk in and have two guys jump out and go, Hoo-hoo-hoo! you know, then I just, oh, hey, it's my truck right there. And the guy says, would you like the window sticker? And I go, nah, that's okay. Because I'm really, you know, I don't like them on there anyway. But I said, I have an idiot light. And he laughs and he goes, you said it. And I said, well, hey, it comes on and tells me when something's wrong, you know. And so we all have those. And, and as Christians, that's not what we're supposed to be either. I know I'm pushing these examples really hard because I know people who are spotlight Christians. They wait and they get, get in a real dark situation. They light you up and blind you and then you're fumbling around and then there's those people that walk in and, and they're the idiot lights. They tell me when I'm being an idiot. Thank you very, very much, okay? Okay. It's not like I don't have the Holy Spirit working on me to say, Matt, you're being an idiot. Now I need you as a Christian to light up and be my idiot light and say, you're screwing up. Something's wrong, you know. Thank you very much. You are the light of the world. Let me change your oil for you. That's preaching right there, by the way. But as a Hebrew sitting there listening to Jesus, they would be understanding that as Jesus talks about light, they begin thinking of this word truth. Because there were, there were people in that time that the Pharisees, a good rabbi that had built a great following, they would be given this nickname, a son of light and they would be preaching truth, and they would be driving truth. And so to those hearing in this Hebrew context would understand, wait, Jesus is talking about light, but I also understand that light equals truth. And I begin, begin to understand and track on this, this line. And um, what we have to understand is that when you light up a lamp, And let's be honest though, we don't want to be idiot lights and we don't want to be spotlights, but let's be honest, when you bring light into a dark room, you're going to expose some things. And so let's understand that when we do turn on our light, that we do expose sin. But here's where I'm going to give this all a very big caution. When I turn on a lamp and I expose maybe a dirty floor, maybe I expose something that shouldn't be in the room, What else gets exposed? The lamp. And so we've got to understand that if I'm going to walk into a room and turn on the light, yes, there may be some sin that gets exposed, but also I'm exposed as well. And so instead of me trying to be a spotlight or an idiot light, let's work together to deal with issues in a holy and godly way. Instead of pointing fingers and and just being just really just rude people let's be love let's be light let's deal with the truth but let's deal with it in love remember i said this a couple of weeks ago most most of the persecution that comes on us as christians is because we're jerks what if what if we actually subscribe to this philosophy called reverse hypocrisy what if what if we thought of other people as so much better than us that when our lamp comes on, they go, really, Matt, you're not, it's not that bad. And they begin to see that Christians really do, when they, when they are the light of the world, they understand that it first exposes us. And so I don't walk around with my finger pointing, going, you're, you're, that's sinful, that's awful, that's just terrible, you know. I'm, I don't want to shine my light there because I don't want to see that. How about we shine it on us and then a world that, that gets, gets washed in the light that we bring into a situation, instead of us seeing their sin, they see us trying to deal with ours. There's something welcoming about that. That's, that's part of that me too philosophy. You know, you don't want to point and say you, but say me too. I'm dealing with stuff too. And then what Jesus is saying is this lamp provides light for the house. You don't put it under a bowl. Some scriptures or some translations say you don't put it under a bushel. You don't put it under a clay pot. What this is, it's a measuring bowl for the house. And what would happen is at night, if you had to get up to go to the bathroom, there were no night lights. You know, the little indigo gel night lights that light your way to the bathroom and you know you can find your way in the dark, they would take this measuring bowl and put it over the lamp to shade it so that just themselves could see their way. And then when they were done, they'd let the bowl go all the way over it and extinguish the lamp. The only two reasons that you would put a bowl over your lamp is to extinguish it or to bring the light down and, and, and kind of just choke it down in such a way that it's only for you. And what Jesus is saying is that's not the way that I'm lighting you up. That's not the way I'm asking you to set as a Christian that if you're gonna follow me with your life, then I'm putting you in a place where you're gonna provide light to the whole house and you're not gonna walk around just providing enough light just for you. I mean, it's dangerous if we get, if we ask Jesus to come in and transform our life, but we squash him down to just see where we step. You see, covering your light is selfish and Jesus is calling this out. He said, if you're gonna live like that, people cannot see your light. People cannot get hope in the distance. People cannot get that encouragement. People do not understand that that dawn is coming. Let me read verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This verse can get a little confusing when you turn over to Matthew 6. I'll, I'll just read you a little bit and I'm not doing this to confuse you, but so we can teach what Jesus is really saying. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And then Jesus hits us again in chapter six, verse 16. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received the reward in full. So is Jesus saying something that's a little contradictory here? When he says, let your light shine so that men see your good deeds? No, what he's really driving home is that so your Father in heaven gets praised. You do what you do to give glory back to God. As a church, we do what we do to give glory back to God. In my family, I do what I do to give glory back to God. If you think about it, I I can do some really good things, but but those good things are really what God is doing. It's when I step in the way that it becomes a little less good. You see, good deeds are not my gift to the world. They're God's. And so when I get it right, if you're like, hey, Matt, Matt got it right. That's God. Like, Matt didn't get it right. That's Matt. <laughs> it becomes this idea of reflection. You got this mirror when you came in. I know you've been holding it and you know, re- reflecting light. And like, but take this mirror out. There was a, a philosophy professor one time at a, at a school. And a student came up to him and said, Professor, you've taught philosophy. You've studied philosophy. We have a question for you. What is the meaning of life? That's a loaded question, really, if you think about it. And the professor thought for a minute, and he said, You know, when I was a kid, we were very poor. We grew up in the city very poor. And he said, one of the games we would play, we would find a broken mirror. And we would all as kids take pieces of this broken mirror. And the game was to to reflect light and get light to shine in some of the most obscure places. And whoever that day could get the light to shine in the most obscure, the strangest place, won the game. And he said, all we could do was reflect the light. And he said, so the meaning of life is this your mirror is going to be filled with something. What do you fill it with? And he says, the mirror is going to be filled with some kind of image. Whose image are you filling it with? You see, because God wants to use us in such a great way, but he can't use us if our mirror is full of our own image. If you think about using a mirror to reflect light, to reflect light, you have to face it to reflect Jesus, you have to be facing him. So when Jesus says, Matt, you're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And God is the source. And I understand that God is the source of light. Then we get into this idea that I am now reflecting God's light. And in order for me to reflect the image of Jesus in my family, in my job, in my community, in my church, I've got to be facing Jesus. And it's those moments that when I don't face Jesus and I fill this mirror with some other reflection, that what I do becomes less God. And so when I do a good deed, when we do something that is of kingdom value, it's God's reflection. It's God filling this mirror so that I can continue to live and be who he says. Jesus said in John eight twelve he said, I am the light of the world. And what he tells his followers is that you've got to be near me to have this light. So we don't just face Jesus from a distance. We draw close to Jesus. And he begins to feel this and this, it's his image that starts to reflect on the world. A bit of study, the greatest, most brightest light on planet earth is located on top of a pyramid in Las Vegas, on the top of the Luxor Casino in Las Vegas. Brightest light in the world. I've uh, got the notes here, it's 41.5 giga candles not 1 million candle power 41 and a half giga candles i can only associate that like bytes like byte kilobyte megabyte gigabyte it's 30.2 billion lumens this this projection this projector that projects this image is 3000 lumens so when you think that in comparison that's one bright light it's the only light that can be seen from space. Brightest light on the face of the earth and what purpose does it serve? If you ask the air traffic around it, it's a nuisance. If you ask the Luxor, it's very expensive. So you have this light that shines and all it does is provide a nuisance. It's very expensive and all of this to draw attention to itself when Jesus says you're the light of the world we are very expensive our lives were bought with a price we can be a nuisance but we don't draw attention unto ourselves and Jesus comes in and provides that light so that people can see the life we live, so they can see this savior that we follow, so that the image that's reflected in our mirror becomes reflected on them, and becomes reflected on this world. So as you are being light, let me leave you with these two things. First thing is be consistent, Be consistent where God has placed you. Because God is reflecting you to be light in some obscure places maybe. Be consistent with that and be confident in your source. When God calls you and he reflects you and and puts you in this place, know, know that he is your source that he will provide. So stay consistent, stay confident, be steady and humble. And I say that because a lot of times in churches we can get very fired up. If you think about a light that gets very fired up and bright, it goes out and we've got to rekindle it. That's why as churches we have to say, we're gonna have revival. It's because we're trying to get our lights back going. Just be steady. Be steady. Be consistent and be confident in your source. But as we leave here, understand that God has called us here for a purpose. He's put us in this community, in this place for this time to be light and to put us in dark places, to shine us in some obscure, dark places, so that Jesus' image and his light can be reflected to the world around us. And he gives us the ability to do that, he gives us the power to do that, and he is the source for that. So let's be consistent and let's be light. Let's live light. Let's pray. Father, we, we love you. I thank you so much for this opportunity to, uh, to be transformed by the light of your word and by the truth of your love for us. And Father, we just ask that as we um, hear straight from you, Jesus, that we are the light of the world, and that you desire us to be at a place where people see us and receive hope and receive strength and receive uh, encouragement for a journey that you've called them on. God, that you have placed us to give light to everyone around us. Forgive us for the times that we've squashed that. Maybe we've gotten intimidated. Maybe we've gotten scared but God, forgive us for the times that we have squashed that light. (coughs) And Father, help us to be light, to live light, not so we get any kind of credit or honor, but that you get it. That we give credit where credit is due. That we give honor where honor is due. And God, you are honorable and so worthy of everything that we even don't have an ability to give you, but we do. And we offer this in humility. Let us draw so close to you this morning and not walk away from you. We walk away from this time and this place, but we continue to draw close to you so that you fill our mirror that it's your image that fills every part of our being. And it's your image that's reflected in our homes, in our families, in our work, in our school, in our community, and in our world. Father, help us to look so much like you that they see Jesus. God, if there's anyone in here that, maybe doesn't believe that they're the light of the world. Would, would you give them the courage and the desire to, to seek truth and to, to continue to know truth and draw them next to the light to help light their way into an understanding in a relationship. God, we love you and we just thank you that you consider us worthy to light your world. We're humbled and we're honored in Jesus' name.